You're listening to Purpose Inspired, a podcast series by myself, Wayne Visser. This season is based on my book, Sustainable Frontiers, Unlocking Change Through Business, Leadership and Innovation. Closing the Loop on Steel In the next few decades, as resource scarcity starts to bite and resource prices steadily climb, mining and metals companies will be forced to shapeshift from primary extractors to secondary recyclers. Necessity, rather than an unexpected attack of conscience, will be the driving force behind this transition to a circular economy. So let's look at some lessons from the sector most ripe for revolution, namely the steel industry. According to the World Steel Association, the sector employs more than 50 million people, either directly or indirectly. The industry is a vocal supporter for sustainable development, claiming that despite massive growth in demand, the amount of energy required to produce a tonne of steel has been reduced by 50% in the past 30 years. A far stronger virtue in its pursuit of sustainability is that steel is 100% recyclable and backed by an impressive business case. More than 1,400 kilograms of iron ore, 740 kilograms of coal and 120 kilograms of limestone are saved for every tonne of steel scrap made into new steel. It is puzzling, therefore, why all steel is not recycled. Why is closing the loop on steel so difficult? Lessons can be learned from Adelka, an Ecuadorian steel manufacturer that is trying to blaze a trail for the circular economy in Latin America. According to the Latin American Steel Association, Ecuador is still a relatively small player, making up about 1% of the Latin American crude steel market, which is dominated by Brazil at 53% and Mexico at 27%, ranked 9 and 13 respectively in the world market. Adelka supplies Ecuador, Venezuela, Colombia, Peru and Chile with a variety of rolled and stretched steel products. Before 2008, Adelka was importing billets, a narrow, generally square bar of steel, from China and elsewhere, but after analysing the economic and environmental benefits, the company decided to invest in an electric arc furnace and start recycling metal scrap in order to make products for the construction sector. The first part of Adelka's sustainable technology solution was to install the electric arc furnace, thus allowing it to make its own steel billets from recycled scrap steel. According to their head of integrated management, by importing fewer billets, they are saving $12 million on the 20,000 tons of steel they produce each month. Apart from using fewer mineral resources, each tonne of recycled steel uses 40% less water, 75% less energy and generates 1.28 tonnes less solid waste than steel from raw materials. There is also a 76% reduction in water pollution and an 86% reduction in air emissions. 
The second part of Adelka's sustainable technology solution was to help to stimulate and organize the metals recycling sector in Ecuador, since it does not have enough supply of scrap metal to meet its own steel production demand. Today, Adelka's Recyclers Network generates about 4,000 jobs, both direct and indirect, with income exceeding a million dollars a month. Also, the steelworks, scrap iron preparation process, transportation system, and complementary services generate more than 1,500 direct jobs for small and medium-sized enterprises. Although Adelka still imports $80 million a year in raw materials, it estimates it contributes $120 million a year to the national economy just from the avoided imports. The third part of Adelka's sustainable technology solution was to install a biodigester that turns the company's organic waste into methane gas for community use, as well as to generate fertilizer for local crops. Although the financial savings are not as big, at about $35 a day in energy savings for the community and $100 in waste disposal costs for the company, there is a significant payoff in terms of social license to operate, in other words, improved community relations. Let's look at some of the lessons Adelka has learned about applying sustainable technology. The first lesson is about financial returns. The electric arc furnace technology was bought from the US and funded by taking a substantial mortgage from the bank. Commercially, the scale of the investment represented a significant risk, but the expected financial returns from the technology allowed the company to take that risk. Environmental benefits alone would not have sufficed. The second lesson is about community education. Adelka lost eight months in delayed production due to community resistance to the electric arc furnace. The community feared that the heat, power and radiation from the furnace would endanger the health of the community and that its heavy electricity demands would negatively affect the community's own supply. Despite being unfounded, these fears required a substantial and expensive education effort to gain a social license to operate. The third lesson is about supplier relations. Since Adelka's demand for scrap metals is greater than the supplier and recycled scrap costs less than imported billets, the company has invested in building up its network of recyclers including donating metal cutting equipment, offering loans, providing and paying for training, and promising the best price for the scrap metals provided. Lesson four is about marketing benefits. By investing in sustainable technologies, Adelka has differentiated itself in the market. Its corporate mission, it says, is to claim to be leaders on recycling for the steel production with excellence in environmental protection and social responsibility. This commitment helped it to become the first Ecuadorian company to achieve the Latin American S2M certification for corporate responsibility and sustainability. The Adelka case shows us why the resource revolution is worthwhile, yet still so slow in happening. The positive impacts on manufacturing and natural capital are clear, but challenges remain in getting access to financial capital and ensuring the human and social capital benefits are effectively communicated. 
Eco-innovation beyond creating technology for technology's sake. Despite the challenges, slowly but surely, sustainable technologies are being applied by business and transforming our outdated industrial model, which is no longer fit for purpose. As examples from the agri-food, chemicals and metals sectors have shown, removing barriers to the sharing of existing technologies is just as important as coming up with new and better tools. So how does this work in practice? When working with sustainable technologies, companies must decide whether to collaborate or go it alone. This decision should be based on an assessment of the company's in-house competencies, technical readiness and capacity. Benny Swaif is a small engineering company in Egypt that produces coloured pigments for the metals industry. With the support of the Egyptian National Cleaner Production Centre, the company invented a new yellow iron oxide-derived pigment in a process that allowed them to recover hydrochloric acid with a concentration of 25%, which can be used again. The new product sells for almost five times the production cost. This development has created a new business model with clear financial and environmental benefits. Similarly, Jiangsu Redbud Technology entered into a technology transfer agreement with the governments of Benin, Mali and others to promote jute fibergreen technology. The Chinese company developed and tested new varieties of jute, which are 100% recyclable and well adapted to wastelands, saline ground, low-lying wetlands and drought conditions. Now a collaborative platform called SS Gate is introducing this technology into Africa. The product was created to fit environmental conditions and the institution created a collaborative space for innovation. Another example is the series of XPRIZE awards which help teams from across the world to compete for funding by solving a specific social, technical or environmental challenge. For instance, the $2 million Wendy Schmidt Ocean Health XPRIZE promised to improve our understanding of how carbon dioxide emissions are affecting ocean acidification by encouraging teams to design sensors that can help us begin the process of healing our oceans. Similarly, a CarbonX prize was proposed with the goal to develop radically new technologies and products that make capturing CO2 from power plants a source of profit rather than a liability. This is typical of open innovation for sustainability. These are the kinds of cases being studied in a European Commission-funded research program on eco-innovation that I was part of. The program looked at methods for the identification, development, transfer and adaptation of technologies to further sustainable development. The aim was to develop local capacity and resources for eco-innovation in developing and emerging economies, especially through supporting intermediaries such as the National Cleaner Production Centres. The UNEP report on the business case for eco-innovation is an example of the results of the programme. Eco-innovation, as distinct from eco-efficiency, has emerged as the realisation that without innovation, we are unlikely to solve many of our global social and environmental challenges, from poverty to climate change. According to the Philips Meaningful Innovation Index, there is an appetite for future innovations to go beyond creating technology for technology's sake, 
instead aiming to make a difference in people's everyday lives. Hence, technology is an enabler for eco-innovation, not only in terms of physical equipment and tools, but also in the knowledge, techniques and skills that surround its deployment and use. Technology can be a catalyst for different aspects of the eco-innovation process, as well as being a marketable product or outcome of eco-innovation itself. Eco-innovators push the boundaries of their companies. By modifying products, processes and organizational structures, eco-innovation improves sustainability performance and competitiveness. Eco-innovation, or perhaps even sustainable innovation, is the next evolution beyond eco-efficiency. Whereas eco-efficiency tends to be focused on productivity and the impact of single technologies or individual steps in the business process, sustainable innovation looks more strategically to transform the whole business model. When it comes to reinventing capitalism, sustainable technologies and eco-innovation are one of the next waves business will want to surf if it is to survive and thrive.